Welcome to the You're Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran Kumar, founder and host of You're Not Invisible After 50. Despite the title, you don't have to be over 50 to listen to this podcast. No matter whether you're 25, 45 or 65, we can all learn lessons from each other to help us build a better, more fulfilled life. Come listen to the inspiring stories of all the phenomenal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. They are not invisible. I'm not invisible and neither are you. So no matter what society says, life doesn't end at 50. In fact, it's just beginning. Welcome to the You Are Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran and host of this podcast. We're all about showcasing phenomenal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. You get to hear all the inspiring stories why you don't have to be invisible after 50. So sit back and enjoy the wonderful life story from this week's guest. My guest today is Rachna Yadav. Hi, Rachna. Hi. Hello, Kiran. How are you, my friend? I'm good and I'm very happy and excited to be here. And uh, I would like to thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to share my life with people who I can empathize with and I like. Oh, absolutely. And, and thank you, first of all, for choosing to come on to the podcast and agreeing, because that's the important thing, isn't it? Agreeing to come on to the podcast. So first of all, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself to our listeners in one line before we move to the body of this podcast? If I have to say one line about myself, I would just say that I will never want to be invisible. I'm someone who will never want to be invisible. I love that. I love that. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk more about that as we move forward. So in this podcast, we're going to cover your life story, the past, the present, and whether there was a trigger point at 50 before we move on to what you're doing in the future. So let's begin with the past. Anywhere you want to start, anything you want to say, just feel comfortable and and share. Uh, So my life was a little different from other kids. I was brought up in a house where uh, both my parents were writers and they were fairly uh, established and well-known writers. But as a child, I of course, I did not understand the importance of uh, of their work because I didn't understand they were they were into fictional writing and literature. But what I used to resent is that our house was full of books. And I didn't like it because I used to go to other children's homes and I used to see these lovely decoration pieces and all of that. And I used to say, why can't our house have that? But I guess that environment uh, somewhere subconsciously kept seeping into me and uh, and I I think it evoked a, a certain creativity in, in me uh, which was just looking for an outlet and uh, outlet where I could express my own voice because literature is also both my parents I had seen them uh, being very very uh, individualistic and very clear about their ideas very sure about Uh, what they stood for, their ideologies, and they never hesitated. And uh, writing was uh, the expression or the channel they used to express 
so i was brought up in a family which was about uh, expressing their ideas and ideologies and uh, creativity so that was a very very important part of my growing up but i have switched jobs so i started with advertising i was there for about 7 8 years and then i realized that this was not what i wanted to do Uh, because one i was not in the creative section of uh, advertising i was in the client servicing where i was meeting the clients and and uh, presenting things to them so at one point i felt that i was just being dictated and by the clients and it was not my expression so uh, it, it i started feeling dissatisfied and uh, uh, didn't stopped enjoying my job i think it's really interesting because i think if you're a creative person you know i think you always are looking for your outlet and you don't recognize it for a while and you keep on searching right your soul yes. keeps on searching for this one thing that you're going to be doing and it takes yeah. a while to find it sometimes some people find it quite easily and early some people take a while like i did as well yes so um, and uh, so i wanted to quit and uh, my boss said no 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 you're just tired take a long break and come back so i took a long break i had lots of leave accumulated so i about took about 3 months break and as a hobby uh, because my mother was very good with you know colors and aesthetic and she used to do we had small flats we were not very uh, i wouldn't call us uh, our family an upper middle class or a rich family we were a middle class family so we had small uh, homes but she used to really keep it very well and keep keep it uh use ideas which were way ahead of her times so i guess i used to watch that and it became a little bit of a hobby for me i would help my friends do up their space or their rooms and do up my room uh so i just when i took this leave a friend of mine uh, my in fact one of my juniors in in office he said that we've just taken a new flat why don't you help us do it so i said sure so i did up his flat in the i used those 3 months to do up his flat and once i did up the flat then there was the neighbor flats you know it was a new building so there were different flats some saw and then somebody approached me and somebody approached me and slowly i was doing it professionally and i said wow i'm really enjoying it so i was alone and i would sit and plan it and i had two three carpenters who had called and they would sit in my backyard and make the stuff and so then after 3 months when my leave got over my boss said now you must be really raring to go i said yes i'm raring to come and resign because i'm very sure i want to go now yes i am raring to go but not with advertising so i just went and i put in my papers i quit and i started this which started as a in a very small modest manner with me and my two carpenters and one painter and i would just design stuff and and it was amongst friends i was doing homes of known people so there was not this heavy professional pressure uh, mm-hmm. although yes i had started charging because you know they were buying furniture from me but i was not very uh, money it was not a very money led or money oriented kind of projects i was just doing it for my happiness but it slowly grew and uh, i got started getting calls and i started getting small small projects so slowly then i moved my office out of that i i took a small space and made it into a factory and slowly slowly it grew and i was doing lots of projects and it was a, i had a showroom and i had a big factory and it was all one business which <laughs> uh, which i was enjoying 
and then uh, i was uh, i was pregnant at one point so i got into a partnership because i knew that alone i wouldn't be able to manage and it just kind of grew till it came to a point that i was you know half my time was go going into looking at uh, the workers wages the workers management running around to get our money because suddenly we had lots of clients and so i was again running around and i was again being dictated by clients because uh interior design was a line which was a bit at a nascent stage at that point in time in delhi mm -hmm. so the people didn't really know what it's all about but they felt ki yes if we hire an interior designer uh, it was more like a label oh you know i got an interior designer yeah. to do up my house so mm -hmm. it was that so but for them and it was that was a time when exports was a big boom and suddenly mm -hmm. there was this whole a whole group of neo rich exporters who had suddenly come into a lot of money so they would give money but they would think that they have bought us so we you know they can call us up at 12 o'clock also come and do this deliver that why not today so i was working saturday sunday and i said this is not what i want to do and at the end of it giving them designs which they wanted which is fine after all they have to live uh, there but when there were horrendous designs which just didn't agree with me then then it kind of pinched uh, so then i just again it was one of those things that i felt that this is not the expression the creative expression that i was looking for because it suddenly turned into a management and managing of a business thing and how long were you and doing that for i was doing it for about 8 uh, 9 years okay yeah uh maybe a little about yeah that much uh, mm -hmm. and uh, or maybe more about 10 12 years yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and nobody in my family is a business person so business is not in my blood i would mm -hmm. feel very odd going and asking for money i felt like i was begging it although it was my money we you know they owed us yeah. anyway then uh, then the turning point of my life came which i want to share and my husband is a photographer so he was shooting for this very renowned kathak dancer kathak is a classical dance form of india and uh, so he was shooting for a very renowned kathak dancer called aditi mangaldas and uh, so because she was premiering her new production so he shot for her brochures and all of that and when the premiere happened of course she invited us for the show and uh, he said so you come along because i you know i don't want to go alone i'm it's, i've shot it as a professional i'm not really interested in classical dance so i said even i'm not mm -hmm. so i don't want to go and but he dragged me and he said no 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 come because it look very bad if we don't go so we should go so we went and uh, i remember i was sitting and i watched this whole performance and kiran i still it is so vivid in my mind that after the performance everybody uh, was clapping because it was a completely mesmerizing performance and i was just sitting i mean i was just so mesmerized that i couldn't even move i couldn't even move to clap and uh, i was just sitting and i was saying wow and this is a dance form which my mother was actually very keen that i learned and when i was small she had got one guruji who used to come home to teach me but i was alone and you know uh, just standing alone in a room for initially for a few months it was exciting but then i started getting bored and i like i said i was more into sports so i was not really enjoying this i did dance a little when i was uh, in school we used to have a class of kathak but that was like a 
you know, one of the school uh, subjects. Uh, and uh, so I trained with this Guruji when I was small in class. I think I was in class three or four, uh, five. I trained for a couple of years. And then I think he also realized and I also realized that um, it wasn't for you. This is what I'm interested in. And I left. I was sitting there and I said, you know, later I said, what have I left? Why did I not pursue it? I'm such an idiot. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I want to get back into dancing. I want to do this. And I didn't know where to start. I didn't know who to go to. So I went to the National Institute of Kathak, which is in Delhi. And I went there and I was told, you are, I was about 30. Mm-hmm. And I was told that you are overage. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was 32. And uh, they said, Ki, we only take till 2022, 22 and you're overage. So I said, I didn't know what to do. Then I called someone else from somewhere and they said, Ki, you come, but you know, I somehow it, it didn't appeal. I didn't feel like I wanted to go to that place. Then I remembered my Guruji who used to come home and I said, I must try and trace him. So I traced him and I, he happened to be not very far from my house. And I started going to his, uh, his house for training. He, he was not teaching. So uh, I had one baby then. I already had, which I told you that when I was pregnant, I got into a partnership. So the one baby was there. And so I would look after that baby and I started going for classes. And I had my still my studio and my factory was running. It wouldn't have been wrapped up overnight. So that was still running and we still had work. So it was a tough time. Uh, and after about three classes with him, I conceived again with my second for my, uh, you know, going to my second child. And so I had to stop. And my Guruji thought, Ki, oh, it was just one phase she went through. And now it, she'll get into baby looking after and, and it's over. And so did everybody else. Everybody thought. Then once that baby happened, and by then I was, I'm this, I'm sorry, I was more, I was 34 when I had my first baby. So this, this I'm talking about, I'm, I was 36 mm-hmm. uh, when I had, you know, 36, 37 when I had the second baby. And, but I went right back. Uh, once she was born and she was a, you know, I could get back to my feet. I went right back and I said, Nay, mujhe seekhna hai. I mean, I have to learn. I-, I love the fact that, you know, there was this, this, there was this moment in time where you saw something, you felt something, you recognized something that was going to be yours. And then also the fact that you didn't give up. The fact is you do, you went back to it. It was still kind of in, ingrained in your soul that, um, you wanted to do this and I just think that's so wonderful because you know you've got to follow your life passion because without it everything seems to be kind of meaningless right and you just think okay and but you have to coming back to the point that we talked about earlier you have to search for it and then recognize it and you did recognize it in that moment when you watch somebody else so I didn't know at that point in time that this is what my future will be I just knew that I have to do it. I didn't know what, I had not thought of the next day. But I just said, I have to do this. And so I went back and I started learning. And those days were very, because he told me very clearly, he said that, look, I don't teach. I'm teaching you. He had a regular job. He says, I come back at six in the evening, seven in the evening from office. I'm tired, but Mm -hmm. I take out time to teach you only if you're serious. Otherwise, I don't want to waste my time. So you have to, and since you have wasted so many years, that time when I was teaching you, when you were a kid, if you had continued, you would have been a dancer by now, established dancer. 
So you'll have to work doubly hard. Mm -hmm. So I used to get up in the morning and I used to do my riyaz. Riyaz is practice. The mm -hmm. Hindi word for practice is riyaz. I used to do my riyaz every morning for about an hour. Then get my kids ready, get drop one to play school, you know, just spend it, then go for work, then uh, finish my work, then in the evening go for my class. At least three times a week I would do that. And so a couple of years I did that. And then I said that I need to... Uh, then one day it so happened that I met Aditi ji, whose performance had turned me around uh, in a in one concert. And I asked her, do you teach? And she said, I don't teach right now, but I'm planning to. And if I do, I will call you. So mm -hmm. I she took my number and all of that. And once suddenly one day I got a call that I've started classes. And then I just went there. And uh, I went there and I started uh, learning with her. So... Uh, I was, I just, I think I was just lucky. Uh, I was lucky to have found a teacher like her. I was lucky to have found my first Guruji because he really taught very honestly and sincere. Then I was lucky to have found a teacher like her. She had a company, which was an ongoing company and a repertory and they were performing. Uh, so I used to go and sit there and I was to watch them practice. And I said, wow, you know, they're so good. And slowly, slowly, I used to just go and sit there and hang around and watch and then sometimes just stand up and try and do something. But I was very, very, uh, you know, basic stages. But since I was in sports and I was initially into gymnastics and all, she was doing a contemporary piece. So I tried my hand at that and it mm -hmm. kind of worked. And it so happened that they had a performance in Bangalore and uh, one of the dancers got pregnant. So they needed a filler and I stepped in and that was my first performance. And it was, I just couldn't believe, I couldn't sleep for two nights that I'm actually going to be performing with the one of the best repertories in the country where I had just learned for three or four years by then, you know. Uh, but it was just like a dream come true to travel with the troops to, you know, I just couldn't believe. And as I was getting deeper and deeper into learning, slowly I wrapped up my business. My partner had moved to the US because her husband had gone. So um, I just wrapped up my business. I finished uh, my, it took me a couple of years to wrap up slowly uh, the, because it was a quite a well uh, established business. So uh, I did that and then I was fully into dance. And then I knew that this is what, I guess it was also that urge of, like I said, that there was an unsatisfied physical expression through physical activity, because I was always mm -hmm. a very physical activity, physically active person. And for many years in advertising and interiors, uh, it was just desk. I mean, there was no physical outlet of any kind of an activity like that. So I guess that is what dance, why dance appealed to me, or I don't know. But it was just, I knew that this is it. And then uh, slowly, slowly, I, I was... So I learned, I worked, I did have to work hard. And she was very particular about, you know, your shape. So I had to get into diets and exercise and yoga and everything. And she would, there would be yoga classes. So it was then I was part of the company. It was like work, 10 o'clock in the morning till 5.30 in the evening. And it was very, very rigorous and strenuous training. So that helped. And... Uh, Thereafter, I found my own, own company because uh, I started teaching. I, we built a new house. I made sure that I had a, which, where, which is where I'm sitting right now, my studio. I built a full studio in the basement and I started teaching because teaching uh, taught me more than anything. 
I mean, when I would teach, I would realize the mistakes the children were making is that those are the mistakes I make, which I can't see myself, but I could see. So you learn a lot. So teaching also helped me grow as a dancer. And this actually brings you to what you're doing, right? So you're saying that you know that you've actually got the studio, you're actually teaching. Are you still dancing as well as as part of Yes, that? very much. So then I started choreographing because that is where my, my own thoughts and my own creative expressions uh, got an outlet. And uh, Aditi Mangaldas, my guru, she is one of the best choreographers in the, I would say as a Kathak choreographer, one of the best in the world. Uh, I learned a lot watching her choreograph. I learned a lot about not just the choreography, but the aesthetics of choreography, the aesthetics of a presentation. And so I slowly started, once I formed my own company in 2010 is when I left her company. When I say left means I started getting more involved with my own independent work. I still mm -hmm. go there. There are also off and on I perform in her group when whenever she wants us to. But uh, I started having my own repertory and my own uh, choreographies. And I've been ever since performing actively all over in India as well as uh, overseas. So this is where the dance journey is. But then something else happened in mm -hmm. my life in 2013, which was completely unexpected. Uh, what happened was, like I said, my parents were writers and my father... Uh, was uh, editing and publishing this magazine, a literary magazine called Hans. Hans means a swan. And mm -hmm. this was a magazine which actually by, was started in 1930 by a very legendary Hindi writer called Premchand. He was He's a big name in mm -hmm. Hindi literature. And that was the time when India was this whole national movement and the struggle for independence was also the Hans was a magazine which through fiction was raising voices uh, mm -hmm. and protesting and rebelling and you know being a part of national movement in fact Gandhiji was at a at some point also on the advisory board of the editorial uh, board of the wow. magazine yeah so it was a big magazine and then it kind of died because Premchand passed away but you know the magazine couldn't be sustained then in in uh, 1986 my father bought over the rights from uh, Premchand's family and he restarted this magazine and it became the biggest literary magazine, which was a platform for raising uh, marginalized voices, uh, women writing. So Hans is a magazine which actually brought up this whole body of women writers and Dalit writers. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a big move. It's like a movement. It's a very big thing in Hindi literature. And uh, and I'm the only child. So often later when my father was not keeping well, he used to say that, you know, you should start taking interest. And I said that, look, literature is not my line. I, you know, I've, you know me, I never hardly read. I'm not a writer. Uh, you know, I don't know this world. So don't expect me to to step into this. It's mm -hmm. not. Uh, and he said, oh, I'll be gone. Then you can see what. And his whole life was Hans. Because it was such it was such an institution, and he had become such an institution because of that. So when he passed away, nobody asked me to, but I was, you know, he passed away on twenty eighth of October, and on first of November, I was in Hans' office, and I realized that I had to do this. I had to take this over. I can't let all his his entire life's work go down work. the drain simply because. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, you recognize what your parents have done. And there is sometimes this thing about 
having a legacy, right? And, you know, he worked so hard in what he was doing and made it his life's mission. And I think as a child, you want to carry that on. You know, I started what I've started and I want to grow this, but I've made sure that my children are going to pick up the reins once I'm no longer here. Because why do all this work and let it just die, right? Why do that? You know, let's do this work and let it continue long after you've gone. And I think it's really honorable when you actually respect your parents and respect the work that they've done. And so applause to you, really credit goes to you. Yes, so I am not the editor. He had decided who the editor will be, but I own the magazine, I'm the publisher and I run the magazine. So it's, and that office is 35 kilometers from my house. So today my life is that I, uh, three times a week, post lunch, I go to that office. Mm -hmm. In the mornings, morning is my time. Morning is my exercise, my yoga, my practice, dance practice or whatever. And then I go to office three times a week. And the other two days I stay at home because those are the two days I'm teaching in the evenings, classes, because I have an institute and I have about close to 60 students uh, I don't teach all of them. I also have another uh, uh, faculty member who mm-hmm. works for my institute and she teaches on the days I go to office. I teach the two days I stay back. I teach those days. So this is how it is. So I'm right now running two professions and I have also uh, expanded Hans because we are doing lots of events. We are doing lots of seminars, symposiums, literature festivals. Uh, so it's suddenly become very, uh, you know, not suddenly, but yes, I work towards trying to make it more appealing to the younger generation. Because those are our future readers and writers. So uh, it is a lot of, lot of hard work. And uh, uh, my, using your mental cognitive. Uh, my brain yeah. time goes a lot on that. And then rest of it is dance. So I'm man- trying to manage both and surging well, ahead. I love that because it's mind, body and soul, right? So, you know, you're exercising all of those kind of um, areas of your life because, you know, you're working actively in terms of your mind and your body. Well, of course, with all the dance, etc. And of course, you're feeling a, a need in your soul. So I think it's great. You've got it all covered very, very nicely. And, you know, Rajna, this is probably what was supposed to happen. You know, you said you were lucky X, Y, Z, but those things are meant to happen. They are putting your, that's your path, which the universe wants you to, you know, go along and you don't find it. They, The universe just tells you in a way, this prompts you and yeah. puts things in place in order for you to follow your path. So I think it's been wonderful. So we're now going to go to a commercial break. And when we're back, we're going to talk about what the future looks like and also the bonus part of the podcast. Did you know that You Are Not Invisible After 50 is not just about our highly acclaimed global podcast. Our mission is to empower all women, regardless of colour, creed, class and culture across all countries and continents. So we have two empowering courses for you. A free masterclass, Building a Life You Love, creating your own path after 50. This transformative masterclass is one that you've been waiting for. Are you ready to seize life after 50 like never before? Well, say goodbye to feeling stuck and say hello to the life you love. Don't let age define your limits. Let it ignite your possibilities. 
This transformative masterclass is your ticket to a vibrant and fulfilling future. But that's not all. Coming in November, we have our innovative introductory business course, Greater Gold. In today's dynamic business world, age should never be a barrier to success. Say goodbye to age-related stereotypes and hello to unstoppable success. Our half a day course will equip you with the skills and confidence you need to conquer the business world. Discover the true value of your experience, reinvent yourself, stay competitive and master the art of self-presentation. It's time to turn your grey into gold. Don't wait, your future is brighter than ever before. Visit our website and check out our courses geared to propel you to the next level. So embrace your age, utilize your wisdom and experience and own your success. Spots are limited. Also, we have other wonderful products launching in the new year. So keep a watch on our social media posts and website for more information www.youarenotinvisibleafter50.com We talked about the uh, the the present in terms of the, the the dancing and also you know the the magazine. Let's talk about what the future is for you. What does that look like? Do you plan or do you just let things happen in their own way and go with the flow? Oh. You know, I'm a, in that way, I'm a bit strange because many, I actually live for today. Mm-hmm. I can't see too much in the future. I can't do too much planning. But at the same time, uh, yes, there are some visions and ideas which are there and I want to work towards those. Uh, but I don't have any long-term plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm doing something, if I'm planning an event, it is okay, let me plan it to the best of my capability right now and do it. Let's see where it leads me. We'll see that later, where it leads me. So I that's how I work. But at the same time, I'm also the kind of person who cannot work if I don't see a challenge, uh, if I don't set a challenge for myself. For example, when I was I joined advertising, I told myself, five years and I want to be an account director. Otherwise, I'm useless. So I would work towards it. Then when I joined dance, I said, five years and I want to give a solo performance. So, mm-hmm. you know, I need to set such goals which are in immediate future or a little, you know, far future. But without that, it, you know, it is always, uh, there has to be a challenge for me to, or there has to be something that I am working towards. I So that has been, but at the same time, if you ask me, uh, so where do you see yourself 10 years from now? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, some people are planners. I mean, I'm a planner, but I don't really plan my life that far advanced now. Um, but you're right in terms of having goals. You have to have those kind of milestones that you have to reach. Otherwise, where's the growth going to come? You can't just meander. That's what I tell my children. You can't meander through life. Well, people like yeah. some people like meandering through life because they're happy in doing that. But I, I feel that you do have to have a goal. You have to set yourself a target because yes. without that, where's the growth? Where's the achievement? Where's the satisfaction? You know, what is this all for? And I think you have to have that in order to expand and grow and um, and flourish, you know, otherwise you get quite stale and unsatisfied in what you're doing. 
Yeah, and also to be able to focus because whether it is dance, which is almost like a, uh, in Hindi, the word is sadhana. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when you are completely immersed into something. Uh, and even if when this magazine thing, like I said, that this whole world of literature, while I was, I've grown up in it, but I was never a part of it, active part of it. But somehow uh, it just slowly, you know, I just feel very comfortable and I actually quite enjoy it. I may have started as a sheer sense of responsibility uh, mm -hmm. and also thinking that if I don't do it, I'll die of guilt. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm actually enjoying it. I'm loving it. I love uh, uh, the challenge of running a magazine in today's time, which itself is a big challenge. Nobody reads. You know, printing is so expensive. There's hardly people who are, you know, sponsoring. So it's a very big challenge. You know how it is. Most of the magazines have closed down. So there we are trying to stay afloat with our banner up. And so. And is there a plan to go digital with this as well? Yeah, we are going, we have gone digital. So I have a digital team and all of that. But it's, everything is a struggle. Every day is a struggle uh, for money and funds. But I guess that is what keeps me going. If everything was fine, I would have probably gotten bored. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that, you know, with all this in the world that we live in today, there's so much kind of information. There's so much out there and people have to filter through it and, you know, and read it. And I think it's it's really quite inspiring and quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? But I think it's so nice to have something that, dates back it's nostalgic yeah. actually it dates back to so many years it's got a history it's not a new magazine it's not today's magazine it yeah. has a you know it has a past it has a story behind it um and it has a mission so first of all congratulations for taking it on and moving it forward so i think that's absolutely brilliant and i think you know and i think what you were saying earlier you weren't part of that community but you certainly took it on and it was like all by osmosis. You must have absorbed all those things when you were in your childhood. And then later again, it came out in its own way of form. So yeah, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Is there anything Thank else you me. want to tell us before we move to the bonus part of the podcast? Oh. No, I think one thing which I guess uh, is that when I started working in this magazine, in fact, both the times when I entered the field of dance, because I had entered at an age where most of the dancers had peaked mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, so that is why I was a beginner. So mm -hmm. I had to uh, fight many inhibitions within myself because when mm -hmm. I was standing and... Uh, uh, but I guess if you really want to do something, then... You know, it's uh, so initially I was I was looked at with a bit of a suspicion and bit bit of a disapproval that, you know, why are you? And it so happened that I was part of the best repertory in the country. So many dancers who would uh, do anything to get into that repertory would sing why she she hardly knows anything or she's just started dancing. But so you have to prove yourself. You have to just be very obstinate and thick skinned. And the same thing happened in uh, when I started uh, uh, running the magazine because Hans was such a big brand name amongst Hindi writers that uh, there were many writers who thought that after my father would go, you know, maybe they will get Hans or maybe they will, but it didn't happen. 
and most of the writers and readers uh, looked at me with suspicion that where she's never shown her face we've never seen her uh, and suddenly she's come here to run the magazine she'll ruin it it will be closed down so there was a lot of disapproval again so how slowly one has to the journey has been to be able to win them over slowly with your own little little steps uh, or win their confidence win them over by that, that they start having some belief in you that yes you are not going to let their their favorite magazine die in fact whatever you're doing you're doing for them i think i think it's not only just winning people over i mean i'm not one i'm not a i've actually moved away from pleasing people right i do my thing because i love it right i enjoy it and at the end of the day if anybody wants to come with you on that journey please step aside you know step aboard and come on this journey with me because i'm going to do my own thing you know this is what it's about it's about believing in what you're doing having that passion and having the drive to do it and if people see it i mean i actually put a post out this week when someone and funny enough it was Saparna who gave me sent me a poem right which meant so much to me that I put it as a post and also the fact that because she admired me for what I was doing you know it's like yes please some people see you some people don't see you at all and there's some people who actually appreciate what you're doing and it's those people that you want along with you everybody else can step aside or get off right and I think it's about pleasing yourself it's about doing what comes naturally. It's about what feels good for you. And if it feels good for you and it's right, just carry on. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you fully. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's why I say that I don't plan. Uh, I just started some many literary awards. Hans used to give in my father's time one award to the best story. This time I opened it out to all the genres, story, poetry, ghazal short story, everything. So we gave 11 awards. And everybody kept saying, you're taking such a big, it's the first time in the history of Hindi literature that 11 awards were given on the same platform. And they said, you know, you're starting this, but you remember that this kind of thing has to be sustained. Then you should be have enough to be able to do it every year. Mm -hmm. But I don't think like that. I, I said, okay, we've done it this year. We'll somehow manage it next year. But let me mm -hmm. do it this year. Then we'll see. And hopefully we will be able to do it next year and the next. And if one day we can't do it, then we can't do it. What to do? But let's do it till we can. But well, thinking... what I would, yeah, what I would say to you is have the faith, have the belief, and everybody else will follow. Right? Those who want to yeah. see it and make it happen will actually be there for you. Yeah. So yeah. let's move on. So let's move on to the bonus part of the podcast. So this is where you give five tips to anyone who's under 50 from your life experience, your knowledge, everything. Okay, so the first most important thing and being in India, which is such a country of faith and religion. Uh, I'm an atheist. So mm -hmm. anyway, I'm not uh, trying to... Uh, to tell people to become atheist, no. Please follow your faith, your religion. But I feel that when we are sitting in front of, or when we are sitting praying to God, asking God 
to give you something. First, remember that the God that God has already given you something, which is the God has given you this body and sent you on this earth. So first, recognize that is the gift. The biggest prayer to God will be to respect what God has given you mm -hmm. and look after it. Mm -hmm. You know, we are complacent when we are young. We think this is how we will be. We are nice and healthy. But you don't know how, when it will go. You know, mm -hmm. so I think looking after health is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Please look after your health. Because if you are a healthy person, you are... Uh, you keep yourself open to doing all kinds of things because mm -hmm. a lot of times I feel that health becomes a big deterrent where you're not able to do things which you would want to do. So it's important that at a very young age, from a young age, we start respecting our bodies, respecting our minds, respecting our thoughts and looking after them. Mm -hmm. I think that is uh, one of the most uh, important things for you to follow any kind of path later. My second tip would be that if you have recognized or found a talent in yourself, you know, in school, some girls are good with painting, some are good with dance, music, singing, pursue it. Mm -hmm. I meet so many people who say that, oh, you know, I used to paint a lot in school, but then I gave up. Why? It's mm -hmm. a gift. Again, mm -hmm. it's a gift. Never give it up, you know. And if you have, for whatever reason, you had to get come back to it. Don't just lament and say, oh, you know, I had to give up. No, you didn't have to give up. You decided to give up. It's actually quite interesting, that one, because, you know, in our culture, I mean, whether you're in the UK, you know, whether you're in India or any part of the world, as an Asian or as an Indian, right? You're told, why are you doing that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what's the point of it you know what's it going to bring you there's no reward here there's no monetary yeah. kind of you know payback but at the end of the day I think you feel that you you know no one really should dictate what you should be doing if you have a natural gift for as you said you know Rachna for um, painting or writing or whatever it may be dancing then you should do it and if you have to put it to one side come back to it um as I, I did as well, because I came back to poetry and it's not something that I, you know, I see myself doing full time, but it's my outlet. And I did it as a child and, you know, 40 odd, 50 odd years on, 30 years on, I pursued it again. There was something there. And I think you do need to come back to it because it, again, it's about feeding your soul. Yeah. So that's very important that don't give it up. I meet some people who have amazing voices, you know, in parties and things they would yeah. sing. And I said, you know, what a voice. You should, you know, you should have trained it. Oh, you know, I just didn't get time. I didn't and I just mm -hmm. feel feel what a waste. What mm -hmm. a waste. Mm -hmm. But so I just feel that, you know, recognize if you have that's again a gift from a natural gift that you've got from God or from nature mm -hmm. or whatever you believe in uh, from the universe. But don't let it go. So, Very good. Yes. Number so three then. My, yeah. Second tip. Then I would say that, you know, today's life is so stressful. Uh, and I see young girls after 24, 25, they got to get into these high flying corporate jobs and they're running from morning to meetings. And especially now after this COVID, they're online sessions and 
once it's work from home, then there is no end point. They're working till eight, nine, ten, you know, middle of the night, clients in or in America. So there's, you know, time. And they are they have such stressful jobs. And I just feel that creative outlet is very important. Mm-hmm. I think any kind of creative outlet, anything which is almost like therapeutic to you, because that will balance your mind. Our mind mm-hmm. is yeah. juggling all the time. It's balancing, juggling, juggling time, juggling activities. You know, you're looking for younger ones, yes, but for the ones who are married, you know, they're trying to manage their homes, manage their children, manage their work, go for meetings, you know, travel, work, travel. It's such a juggle that you need a little time just to relax and enjoy any kind. It could be pottery. Pottery is a big therapeutic thing. It could be just walking. It could be just, you know, watching birds in the morning. It could be just photography, anything, mm-hmm. anything. And I'm not saying make it a profession. Just if you give a little time every day to some kind of a creative outlet, that is really otherwise all these medical ailments at young ages that we hear of is uh, they are scary mm-hmm. so a creative outlet which will calm your mind and balance it is very important very very important because otherwise what are our, our children are seeing that our children yeah. are seeing one mother running from one thing to the other eat go bad you know and what yeah. are what are they imbibing they are just imbibing this is life and they yeah. turn into another you know another set of such people so it's mm. almost like a factory producing stressful stressed out people one generation after the other there has to be a break it's actually quite interesting because you know after covid where we had to all stop right we actually had to stop what we were doing you would think that we would have learned from that and some people have and some people haven't and in fact you know in the uk and i think in the states there's now a push to get people back into work and do those long commutes. I mean, I'm glad I'm out of all of that nonsense, <laughs> to, to be honest. And, um, and you know, I just feel that we haven't really learned. You can be productive in all sorts of ways. You do need to have this very healthy life-work balance, you know, because you have to think about your own mental health and that's just mental health because that then moves into your physical health right so you're right stop rushing about take some time out take a breather whichever whatever that looks like and and take space and time for yourself because that's healthy yeah so i would say that is just any kind of a creative outlet oh number four yeah number four is that you know, we all have friends from childhood and all of that. That is fine. But always have a group of people who are somewhere challenging you all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is important. Because uh, if we are the kind of people, oh, I, did, I wanted to do this, but I can't do this because I can't find time. And you have five other people around around you saying the same thing, then you feel it's fine. But if if you... So try and look for people who are doing something different, who are doing something which you would want to do. Uh, because then they pose those challenges. They 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 get you to think. You know, when you watch someone, you may be envious or you may think they are mad. But somewhere they are forcing you to think and rethink. So always have a peer group that challenges you. Yeah, the fifth one is that never underestimate yourself. Never think that this is beyond me. You know, uh, 
yeah, some things can be beyond you because they, they require a certain uh, maybe physical this thing which at a certain age you can't, but uh, but you can work around it. You can I, you can think of different ways of doing uh, a certain thing, but there's always a way if you really believe in yourself. You know, you'll be surprised to find how you can control your circumstances to what extent rather than the circumstances controlling us. We always think it is the circumstances that are controlling us. It may be true, but your power is more than uh, you can turn things around if you really get to it. Absolutely. So let's do the three yeah. tips to anyone who's over yeah. 50 and listening. First is again, uh, over 50 is when our, uh, I'm heavily into and obsessed with the, with the health, with the health issue. I think uh, that is very important that uh, we give up. After 50, our mind says, now we are over. What's there? To? You know, that becomes the attitude, which is a very wrong attitude, which is a very, very wrong attitude. Because that's the day your mind says, oh, now I'm over the hill. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Uh, what is there to, I mean, I... Uh, no, you can still... That's when your health will start going down. Mm -hmm. So never turn that switch on that I'm over the hill. You're not. I think so it's really, want... I, I think it's really interesting what you've just said, because this is really one of the purposes uh, of, you know, telling, getting women to tell their stories uh, and, and showing up as women over 50, because there are women over 50 who are on like social media, who are active or out there. There's a mm. lot of women who are still thinking the way you just said, you know, oh, I'm too old. I can't do this. You know, you know, what's the, what's the point, right? But there's every yeah, single the point. point. <laughs> there's every single point because as you just said, Rachna, is that until you're on, whilst you're on this planet, on this earth, make the most of it. The day you can't, because you physically can't, you know, then you know, then, then, okay, things change. But whilst you can, you should keep on going. This is what about changing this narrative that you're not invisible over 50, that you it's not over after 50. You're still the person that you are and you should just go for it. Yeah, so that is, and everything actually after 50, all my tips would be related to that. That, mm -hmm. you know, this, it's never too late. Mm -hmm. It's never too late to live your passion. It is never too late. And if you think it is late and I can't do it, which means it's not your passion. Mm -hmm. You know, the word passion has been used very uh, freely mm -hmm. and uh, very easily. It has a lot of depth. You know, I hear people just passingly say, oh, that's my passion. That's my passion. No, it's not. If it was, you would have done something about it. You know, uh, so... Uh, to say, oh, you know, I love singing. I, it's my passion, but, but you know, I, my work, my family, my this, then it's not your passion. If it was your passion means you're completely consumed by it to a point that you will make you find a way amongst all, all problems. You will find a way. And if you haven't, and if you're not willing to make that effort to find a way, then it is not your passion. Do not That upsets me when people use passion so, you know, uh, casually. Because I love that. Is, yeah, so uh, I just feel it's never too late. And age should not deter you. Yes, I can understand that you, know, you have a medical issue or you, you have a, a 
situation at home which is not allowed all that is still understandable but to say that oh i'm 50 plus so i can't do this why can't you do it and the last thing i would say is that uh, all this is possible or all this happens when you have a purpose in life you know or to define a purpose for whatever it may be my mother used to say a very nice thing which i would like to share and would be like a tip she said that don't just be a drop in the ocean try and be that wave that that crashes against the cliff and comes back and then goes and crashes but be the wave that moves the ocean uh, so what I, what she wanted to say is that make a difference mm. you have got this one life make it leave something which people will remember you with and leave something which will benefit people so have a purpose in life so you know a purpose which is not just that i want to live this nice rich luxurious life eat well drink well and die one day i mean that is also fine that is also fine this i don't look down upon people who have that but along with that just have a purpose which is more inclusive of other people where you are sharing uh, and everybody like i said everybody has some strength or the other that i refuse to is just that we don't let it come out or we don't recognize it that is a separate thing but the, you everybody has something to give I so just, just love all of that. Sorry, I just love all of that because it's not it's not about being thinking about yourself and being selfish for in terms of your own needs. It's about fulfilling a greater need for the benefit of others. And I think that's really empowering. And if you can empower other people, isn't that what it should be about? You know, it's helping And also you'll be yeah, you'll be surprised when we empower other people and when we get the kind of satisfaction it gives you nothing else gives you you suddenly in your eyes you become great for yourself yeah, and you feel yeah. oh you know i have done this see if so many people are happy that is fine so if you are selfish look at it from a selfish point of view that how you know if you do something for others they will always remember you and it's not all about self satisfaction it's about what can you change for the world yes. what can you change even if it's not the world what can you change for one person one person absolutely. is more than yourself right absolutely absolutely and your purpose can change there's nothing wrong with that you know today i feel very strongly about this five months later i feel very strongly about something else that's fine purpose can change with time with life with experiences with knowledge purpose can change but uh, people may call you flighty but that's fine as long as you're working towards something and there is a purpose you are working towards that is important so just love that so that's what i would like <laughs> i just like to say rachna it's been a brilliant and wonderful and enlightening conversation and i'm so glad that you took the time to have this conversation with me no i would like to thank you once again that you gave me this chance to come and share my thoughts and my experiences with everybody i just hope and i wish everybody all the best that uh, people have a fulfilling and enriching life because we have one life let's just live it to the fullest and let's make sure that you know we make a difference ah and thank you so much kiran oh thank you thank you pleasure Thank you for listening to the You Are Not Invisible After 50 podcast. If you want to hear more from some amazing women who are over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact, then don't forget to follow us right here on Apple Podcasts 
or Spotify. Remember to subscribe, rate, comment and share with other women through your social media. Let's spread the word across the world that you don't have to be invisible after 50. Check out our other services on www.you'renotinvisibleafter50.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok and YouTube. And always remember that life doesn't end at 50. In fact, it's just beginning. But wait, we have even more to offer. Join us and tune in to our other podcast, Shamelessly Untamed, a transformative series that encourages you to embrace your true self and celebrate your uniqueness. Make sure to subscribe to Shamelessly Untamed podcast on other podcasts or Spotify. Don't forget to rate, comment and share with anyone who can benefit from its content. Explore our additional services at www.roaringahead.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok and YouTube. We look forward to you connecting with us. Thank you.